no, no, keep going, keep going. Just tell me. Okay, so I said gravity is gravity is invisible water. And the reason I said it is because when I was hanging upside down, I felt the pressure of gravity on my head mm-hmm. and it felt the way you feel underwater. And I was like, holy shit, I'm underwater, but I can't see it. And gravity moves in waves. It seems to have the same pressure as water, but I can't see it. Yeah. Well, another word for it would be the ether. Okay. So, you know, when Einstein and Niels Bohr and a lot of the other folks in the early 20th century were coming up with what has today become kind of our standard model yeah. and quantum physics model of cosmology, yeah, um, there was something called the ether. Okay. That the notion that the space isn't really space. Okay. That there's more to space than just emptiness. That there's something here. That there's something in the space. Okay. Right? And, and so... You know, when you think in the terms that, you know, ether went away, and it was a big debate. It was not, like, easily come to. Even Einstein struggled with it because he tried to connect electromagnetism and gravity and tried to figure out how to make sense of both the quantum model as well as the you know, phenomena we see like what was the in standard. So quantum are, is, right. is a small, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you've got standard model, which is really, uh, you know, how we look at astronomy and how yeah. planets work and laws of motion, etc., and so when Einstein couldn't solve that, up to the day he died, he was trying to solve this. I and mean, if you look at the pictures of his office, his office was like a mess. It looked like he was working on stuff up until the very, very last second yeah. that you know, he took his last breath. Yeah. But if I look at it, I look at it very differently. I see the space or the vacuum as the thing that connects everything. Because you know, 99.9999999% of you is space. of all the matter we see, the solar system itself, is mainly vacuum, mainly space. So is light and vacuum and ether the same thing? No. So you could think of it like this. Ether would be this this sort of primordial or some creation thing, right, that sits inside the vacuum that we cannot detect. Okay. And you could call it gravity. Okay. Not sure, right? You could even call it time, potentially. Okay. This ether has some power. There's something called Casimir effect in physics, which if you try to create a perfect vacuum, it's impossible to create a perfect vacuum. So you basically suck all the particles, everything out to create a perfect vacuum. And no matter what, every time you do that, as soon as you come close to creating a perfect vacuum, suck the last thing out, you find a little hydrogen atom inside of it. It pops out. It comes from somewhere, or it's just a residual, or we don't know? There's no explanation for it. It's Casimir effect. So Casimir effect then suggests that there is something, as soon as you create a true vacuum, all of a sudden life comes out of that, or some form of light, right? And you could say hydrogen is the first light that we see. It's the first element on the periodic table of elements, first known element. I actually believe that there's nine other ones before hydrogen, but, you know, sometimes those are referred to as a theoretical concept, as, as hydrinos. But this is, you know, what you're talking to when you say that gravity is like water. Yes, in many ways it is. And so is light in many ways. Right. So have you ever been to a, a stadium where the wave, you do the wave, you like stand up and, go, Whoa, and yeah. then it goes around. Okay. If you think about it, did you move, other than moving up and down, did you actually have to run around the stadium? No. no right? It's a, a basic wave propagation. 
The same is true for the particles, the water molecules that are sitting in water. Yes. When a wave comes through them, it excites them. They basically jump up and go down. Right. Wave comes through them, but they stay in the same place. Right. So the wave itself never traveled. Right. Or the water molecule never traveled. So what is traveling? Right. So Walter <laughs> Russell says that light doesn't travel, especially for this specific phenomenon. That instead... It's basically being excited and, and, and wave propagated, uh-huh. right? Just like you are going up and down yes. in the stadium. Yes. You're staying stationary. So it, the wave is collapsing into matter for that moment or that period of time and then going back into the... Or the wave The wave is being excited for that moment uh-huh. as the propagation goes through it. Okay. So, so then the ether or the vacuum is basically being excited in some way and then light is being reflected. And then that's life? Well, it could also be related to life because the first light is hydrogen. And what is life built on? It's built on hydrogen, carbon, carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen. All life, you know, you've got some uh, uh, phosphate backbone on DNA, right, which then, you know, with the sulfur, but all life is made with those four elements. And it's very, very simple. We tend to make it very complicated, but right. we believe that water is still, we're so far away from understanding what water really is. Right? We are so far away. <laughs> we think it's the, it's the most abundant resource on the planet. We sell it in bottles to make it scarce. Therefore, we can charge more money for it, uh, which is crazy because it's a closed-loop system. It doesn't matter how many people are on the planet, we'll always have enough water. Really? Yeah, because when, once you go to the bathroom, that evaporates, turns into water again. Yeah. It's a closed-loop system. You can never run out of water. Now you could argue, well, we could run out of clean water, but you know what? With desalinization and everything, I don't see how that's the case either. I've been thinking it, and I've been wanting not to say anything because I just felt that it would be so not PC to say something like that. No, but look, here, here's the thing. Let's make it. Here's here's how business works. I, I I remember when I first went to MBA school, I was like, okay, what am I going to learn in MBA school? I feel like I have to go to MBA school because. Everyone else that's like excelled in their career and what I wanted to go into in business had their MBA. So I thought, okay, I'll go to MBA school. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe, and I already had a lot of experience. I'd already been a general manager of several companies and CEO too. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I want to know what I don't know. Because up until that time, I felt like I was flying by the seat of my pants and sometimes I couldn't find my ass with both hands. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, like you were I lived by, I was like successful, young, but I didn't know like, why. Yeah. I thought I was just lucky. Right. You know, and it's like fake it till you make it kind of a thing. Well, and you're also a tourist. Like, you've got that natural, like, feel for success and finer things. So you guys find it. Yeah. I mean, it just finds like, you. I was always very, very blessed and and with abundance. Always. Yeah. And so I decided, though, to go back to MBA school because I wanted to. And I didn't like there was this, like, lingo that people would talk and everything. And sometimes I wouldn't know the words. Like, what does he mean when he's talking about, like... Weighted average cost of capital yeah, and yeah, present yeah. value and stuff like that. And, and MBAs love to talk that kind of shit because it makes them sound smart. Because they learn the language. Right, they learn the lingo, yeah. right? They've, they've got the lingo down. So I thought, well, if nothing else, I'll learn the lingo. Yeah. And, you know, I went to MBA school. I had a scholarship and all. And, and, and um, I thought, well, now at least I'll know what I don't know. Right. right. I'll know the extent of my knowledge. Because at a certain stage, you go in life and you don't know what you don't know. But then when you learn what everyone else is supposed to have learned, then at least it gives you some degree of comfort that you at least know what you as much as the next don't guy. know, rather than, yeah. I don't know what I don't know, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And people are talking about stuff I don't understand. Yeah. I at least know what I don't know now, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's kind of the limit of how I felt after MBA school. Okay. And I graduated, you know, did well, and, and, and uh, I majored in finance. So as I was kind of going through 
this whole experience in academia, I realized that the way we're being taught in school is just like so based on regurgitation. It's like our brains are just meant to be these like hardware storage devices, right? And then we're supposed to like throw it up for the moment we need yeah, to basically throw out the lingo. Yeah. Right. And we're not really taught to think. No, not at all. I mean, even the stuff that we used to do where there was a lot of, like, essay writing where you had mm-hmm. to really think, mm-hmm. that's not part of the curriculum as well, much Well, it also anymore. does, it's not inspiring, which is the problem. It's also not inspiring, and it's also more subjective. And so, you know, there's been a thrust in schools to move away from the subjective and more towards okay. the objective. That's why yeah. the emphasis on math and science, right? Yeah. Math and science, math and science. Well, unfortunately, the more you focus just on math and science, the, the, the less you'll learn in math and science the less you'll think about math and Speak science. Speak on that. Just math and music and what you were saying earlier about without music, there is no real like tie-in with math. Like we were saying that a lot of people, what I was saying was that a lot of people who have found you through me feel so inspired and into math and they hated math growing up. Math was the, like the furthest thing from mm-hmm. what they thought they'd spend a Friday night watching a video about. I know. If right. we would have told them in high school, hey, you're going to be chilling with a bunch of friends, smoking a joint, watching a Robert Grant video on a Saturday night, they would not have believed you. But here they are, and they're into it. And my question to you is, what is it about what you're doing? I mean, I, because I know you personally, I know exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. I think your curiosity is like that of like a young child. You just happen to be really smart and have resources so you can do whatever you want with that childlike enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. But what do you think it is about the, the kind of math? Like when you say new math, what is it that's drawing people to that? So math is a, is a language. And just like languages, there are new words created all the time. Right. right? It's, it's its own, I don't like the term AI because I think all intelligence is intelligence. Mm. But it's its own AI mm-hmm. in a sense if you if you kind of get my point on that mm-hmm. it it writes itself yeah and that's what's so amazing about this language and so there should be new math discoveries all the time right and we're not discovering them if you look at the people that did discover a lot of math you know whether it's Charles Napier or uh, you, you look at Isaac Newton who is you know widely considered maybe the most famous best mathematician of all time mm-hmm. uh, Ramanujan mm-hmm. these guys were all on the front end of discovery of mathematics because math is never created uh, my one exception to that is I, I have a thing probably I make some judgments on calculus <laughs> and I don't like calculus because it feels too complicated uh-huh. and the universe is not complicated right there should be a simpler way around it shouldn't there so it feels like Leibniz and and Isaac Newton, who both jointly claim to have discovered or created it, rather, because yeah. I actually do believe it's a creation, not a discovery. Um, they they created it to make sense of stuff they couldn't understand, where there were more simple conjugations okay. through math constancies, as well as uh, you know new types of sine cosine relationships and wave theory, okay. uh, or or now what is called uh, category theory, okay. which is a really interesting branch of mathematics that is probably the subset of what I'm talking about right now, okay. uh, about language, linguistics, so, so sort of category theory is, is a new branch of math. So basically, all math, though, is discovered. You, 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 you don't invent pi, right? Yeah. There is an inherent relationship between a diameter and its circumference. Right. Uh, that's, it doesn't matter what scale it's at. Yes, right? that's the fractality so of that's it. That's the fractality yeah. of it. So yeah. these are just ratios on top of ratios, and if you could put three ratios together, you could triangulate into a reality. 
because it feels like there is something there, yeah. right? And that it's all real. But in point of fact, and this is the front end of category theory, I just read an article on this just yesterday, and, and it's also very much matching my uh, theoretical approach that even our units of measure that we use today mm-hmm. can all be derived with three mathematical constants. So even the units of measure that we have. So then it makes me ask the question, how did this happen, right? So you know, from the ancient cubit, which is 1.718, mm-hmm. which is Euler minus one, mm-hmm. to the meter, which is Euler minus one times one minus five plus mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really squared. It, it really kind of makes you go, wait a minute, how did this happen that we have all these perfect you know, constancies right. that are embedded within our measurement systems. Even. Okay. So, so basically what it says is that our school system is just not equipping us to think. In like, fact, we're taught not to think. Because we don't, we're never taught that math is a changing thing. No. We're taught that math is this concrete thing. It exists in this way and it's absolute. And like really, anyone who's been in school and just learned what I would consider remedial math compared to what you're talking about, thinks that math is just the way it is. No, math is a living, breathing language <laughs> that is changing as we create a word like text, right, which is a noun. Mm-hmm. And we put an ing on the end of it, turns it into a verb, right? right? Somebody made a new word, Yes. right? Yes. The same is true with mathematics. We, we have constants that are right. held inviolate. These are pi, alpha, phi, golden number, right? Okay. The golden angle, uh, the Euler-Mascheroni constant, Euler number. These constants are perceived to be totally, totally separate one from another. But what if every constant was creating every other constant? And they're coming in and out of like the number one. Right. It's exactly what it is. Or If you look at a, let's say I looked at a diamond and it has many facets on it and I looked at that diamond, and every time I looked at a different facet, another thing, like eight ball. Did you ever play eight yeah, ball when you were yeah, a kid, right? Yeah, and, and a you, new future comes up. Yeah, a new yeah. number comes up, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. the exact same yeah. thing, but now you think of it with Greek letters, right? And these are different math constants. So I look at a different facet of this. Okay. Wait a minute. So pi is actually phi? Okay. Hmm. And I look this way, and it's like, wait, and phi is actually Euler? Yeah. I just need to know the simple transformations that connect all of them. And these are the verbs of conjugation, okay. right? But they all emanate from and into, back into the number one. Very simple. You know, as an example, right? The Euler number is, is 2.718, right? It's used in compound interest calculations for banks, etc. One would be the amount that you invest it. And if you, uh, you may have heard of something called the law of 72. Law of 72 is if I give you $100,000, and I, and I make you pay me 6% interest per year, mm-hmm. and I compound that interest, how long will it take for me to double my money in the investment I gave to you? Okay. It's very simple. Okay. Something called the law of 72. Okay. I take 6%, okay. and I see how many times it goes into the number 72, okay. which is 12 times, mm-hmm. right? That tells me how many years it will take for me to double my money. Okay. 12 years. 12, 12 years. years to double my money. So Euler number is not supposed to be something tied to any other constant. Right. It's just like a... It's supposed to be all by itself, off on its own, right? It's not supposed to be anything else. Yeah, sounds like it should. Sounds like it should, right? But, okay, so somehow it's related to compound interest, and Jacob Bernoulli discovered this, and and so did Isaac Newton and Napier. 
And it's one of the most fundamentally important things of mathematics, right? It's right up there next to pi. Okay. Transcendental irrational next to pi. But nobody understands that it's actually just a boundary condition on pi. So pi is 3.14, Euler is 2.718. Okay. Okay? So if I were to put these onto a circle, uh -huh. and then match the geometry of a triangle inside that circle. Yep. So I'm going to inscribe a triangle inside the circle. Yep. The first angle, right, if it's a perfect equilateral triangle, mm -hmm. will land at 120 degrees, or one-third of the circle. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. The other angle will land at 240 degrees, because... 120 times 3 gives me 360, right? Mm -hmm. Degrees of the circle. Mm -hmm. So I'd have one at 120, I have another one at 240. Okay. And guess what? Now, if I put pi at the one that's at 240, yeah. and I put Euler at 120 degrees, yeah. and I do what's called a weighted average of these two, okay. guess what? Pi times 2 thirds plus Euler times 1 third, one -third yeah. equals. Three, perfect three, integer three. They're a boundary condition on the number three right in the geometry of a triangle. So anytime but you see pi. That's an arbitrary number. That's just totally, but, but we are taught like, that it's all by itself. Yeah. It's all by itself. It has nothing to do with each other. But actually, Euler divided by pi gives me light speed minus one. Absolutely. And by the way, if I take that exact same analysis of the boundary of the three, the number three. Okay. <laughs> Well, Einstein referred to light speed as 3 times 10 to the 8th power because it was his way of looking at the 299,792 kilometers per second. That is light speed. He would just round it to 3. So here we have two measures. Euler divided by pi gives me 0.864, which is the number of seconds we have in a day, 86,400. Okay. And it also, so that's giving me a, a mile and a time measurement yeah. for light speed. Right. The other one is giving me the meter measurement for light speed. So none of this is arbitrary. No, none of it's arbitrary. All of it is, is set, and it's all meant to be found. It's all meant to be discovered. So Why? mathematics, well, so for example, I'll give you another one. So Euler is not supposed to be at all similar to... Phi, the golden number. Right. Lots what of people know the golden number, yeah. right? 1.618 or 0.618. Yeah. So if I take 360, multiply it by Euler minus 1, which is a sacred qubit. Okay. So 1.718. Now I'm just going to take 1.718 times 360 gives me 618. Okay. 618. It's phi. The Euler number minus 1 times 360 degrees gives me back phi? How? I don't, okay, why? Why do you think they're meant to be discovered? What do you, what do you think, what do you think math is? Do you think math is the clue? Math is the language of our consciousness. Ah. It's consciousness. It's a self-organizing consciousness. We are, we are so much more than the being sitting on these chairs right here. Is that why water reacts to geometry? Water reacts to geometry, it's, it reacts to thought. Which is also consciousness. That's right. I, I put on Instagram this morning a quote from, um, I think it was by uh, Johannes Kepler. Yes, it was by Johannes Kepler. It said, geometry is uh, basically God's thoughts. Right. And now, that's a bigger question. Who is God? I love that. Right. Who is God? <laughs> Maybe it's The us. creator of math? 
Maybe it's us. <laughs> maybe it's just our higher selves as a collective. Maybe it's math. And maybe it's math itself. Maybe yeah. it's its own consciousness. Maybe numbers themselves are yeah. conscious. So a yeah. lot of people have a easy time sort of conceptualized geometry, but actually numbers themselves are geometry. Numbers are sacred. Yeah, numbers, numbers are sacred. Are sa- Muslim, the Muslim world knows And this. people Chinese all automatically say, oh, no, 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 we can't. That, that was just some guy who came up with the shape of the number two. No, 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 no. No, no, it's not. Because if you look at the shape of the number two, and I put one over two, it gives me 0.5. So the one over is like a reciprocal. It's called a reciprocal. Yeah, and it it's like looks a mirror. like it's, yeah. And it's an upside down backwards five. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not arbitrary. The same is true with four and seven. 1.4 times 0.7 gives me one again. There was this woman who was on a DMT trip, and she said that she saw... Um, like a, a portal and every number and letter that had ever existed was streaming out of the portal and each had its own resonance its own color its own energy its own weight and it was like going out into the universe and like making stuff oh it's interesting you know the number six is widely recognized as related to proton mm-hmm. well of course it is because the way we draw the number six is a centripetal is a representation of centripetal or inward force. Force, right. Spinning inward. So yes. going in. The nine would be a neutron spinning out. <laughs> the three oh, how wonderful. The three is the pathway the electron takes in a double torus that the Earth is. Yes, yes. So the electrons go like this uh, to the, the equator. The sacred three. The sacred three, and then back into the poles. So how did this all get created with this absolute perfection? Yeah. You know, the same question can be asked about how did the Egyptians know that where they built the pyramid would be exactly light speed in both miles per second and meters per second in its coordinates. Let's talk about the pyramid because you came up with this stuff with the Da Vinci. And what, what's, your, what's your newest take from what you've learned on the pyramids? What's your, well, what does your heart tell you from I'll, everything? I'll tell you, you the story about it. It's, it's interesting. I was... Uh, I went to Rome a few months ago. Uh, I had to give a speech speech at the Vatican on encryption and math and stuff like this. And I know it's like Whenever I can't you even believe things like this. I just want to jump up and down. <laughs> I know, and it's epic. And it's also really cool. I can't believe it either. I don't even want to pinch myself. So I'm going um, to Egypt in a month uh, to do filming for a show, a new show, which Sorry. you'll hear more about soon, um, and pretty exciting stuff. Um, and then secondly, uh, going with Nassim Hermain uh, and a few other people from our math and science group yeah. uh, to have a private meeting with the Dalai Lama in Dharamsala. Wow. So we're going to beautiful. India. It's going to be a long trip to get there, but we'll spend yeah. the day with him yeah. talking about math and physics, which will be really interesting. Oh, the Dalai Lama is really, really into that stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to talk to him how the math constants are all really just the number one. Okay. Everything comes in and out of the number one. It's, uh-huh. it's very beautiful. But, but anyway, um, coming back from Rome, I had you know so much Da Vinci on the brain because it was a 500-year anniversary of Da Vinci's death. Yeah. It also was my 50th birthday. Okay. So in the same couple of week period. Okay. Right. So I was like, oh, I, just, I, I and I've always been a huge fan of Da Vinci's work. I thought this guy could not have been bounded by time, in the way we are, because a lot of the drawings that he left behind. We're so advanced. There's stuff that are concepts that maybe haven't even come out yet. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, such genius work for 500 years ago. It's absolutely nuts, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I started to um, 
to draw. I thought, you know, hey, I never started really any of the math stuff until probably six years ago. And you know, now it's become like a big part of my life. And I started sculpting and I found that I could sculpt and, and I thought, okay, maybe I'll start painting and drawing too. So I started drawing and I did some of my first drawings. Okay. And um, I'll show you in a moment. And, and one of the first drawings I did was I drew the Vitruvian Man by hand. And I didn't trace it, I, I just did it you know, off of memory. Well, that's impressive. And I wanted to see what I would pick up out of uh-huh. this, you know. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm pretty simple. I, when I do math, I, I have a calculator, right? Yeah. Um, uh, a straight edge, a pencil, and a compass. That's it. <laughs> Nothing else. That's cool. It's really simple. Yeah. And as far as, um, you know, me doing the, the Vitruvian Man, I drew the picture out, and I noticed that, that. The point on the square, first of all, the square is not a perfect squaring of the circle. So squaring the circle is an ancient problem, yes. which is not supposed to be easy to do. And if you look at the wallpaper next to you, those are all squaring the circle. Yes. You see? Yes. That's where the square, it will slightly overlap the circle. Okay. The square will have the same perimeter value as the circumference of the circle. Okay. 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 Because the circumference requires a rationality of pi, it's like impossible to do it perfectly because okay. the square is finite and the irrational is infinite. The circle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which also says something about male and female. I was gonna say it because the circle represents the feminine, and sh- and that's irrational. You clearly. saw the look on my face. <laughs> and the masculine is the finite. Is the finite. But I'm not sure which so one is the bigger. The I'm not sure which us, one is the bigger compliment. <laughs> Why we gotta be irrational though? That's right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I did not ask that question for the record. That was not my that question. That was me. That's right. <laughs> I love it though. Okay, so that's why. It's so the that's the problem. beauty. It's the it's the rationality meet okay. in mathematical terms, right? It's rationality meeting rational. Okay. Uh, it's infinite meeting finite. Yes. And man is finite. It, we're not really finite. Finite infinity. But finite the way we tend infinity. to think yeah. are more rational finite terms, yes. right? And so it can be really confounding mm. to a lot of women in my life, I mm-hmm. think. I'm trying to think more like them now. You know, women have a way better ability to think and feel at the same time. When a man falls Emotional, in love, yeah. he's done. Oh, you ever notice that? True? He's yeah. done. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't think about anything else. That's like literally, true. it's like they get taken over. And when a woman falls in love, she, she falls in love, but she remains strategic. I think, I think she's that, got yeah. her ability to think and feel, and so she's going to be like, "Well, she you know, becomes more this, strategic." If this you ask doesn't me. make sense, you know. It's like, yes, I don't want to get taken by my heart, so I need to really be thoughtful. About it. And and this is a very important thing in nature's evolution. Of course, right? It it's, needs to be. It this needs way. to be this way. It needs to be this we way. We need to be smart. It's like think about it. If yeah. men just like had their way, you know, we we get this thing called oxytocin, right? Yes. Not oxycontin. It's different. Yes, <laughs> oxytocin. <laughs> yes. And, and it lasts for like two years. And it's like this hormonal... It lasts for two years? It lasts for two years. And you know why it lasts for two years? That's what studies show. It lasts for two years to make sure that the guy sticks around. So the baby can survive. If they have a baby. Fuck. So we're talking about biology here. Right? This is legit biology stuff. Because until two and, is and when you really need a partner to help a baby. Like you really need yeah. someone. You could so... Would be... Oxytocin. Yeah. In women... Put you into labor, right? 
right? It's a totally two different things. Yes. For men, it makes us like, oh my God, I'm in love. I have to be with her. I yeah, have to yeah, be I with her. Yeah, I can't think. I can't eat. I can't eat. think. I can't eat. Yes. I can't do anything except I feel like I'm in love and I got to be with her. So the body is basically hormonally producing this reaction in men to make sure that they're there for the care hey, of the child. By the way, I believe in true love. <laughs> I definitely oh, believe in true love. I, I think so. No, but I think no. But, I, but it is true. It is. It's biologic. There's a catalyst that's yeah, biological. Yeah, there's got to be a hormonal, like, like something catalyst that that kicks off love. It's not just. I mean, because even love is based on what we see and what we smell, and even those things are based on hormones and like. So there's no way around it. No, like, love is biology. There's love no. Is biology. I, I really don't think that it's there's part some and parcel. Everything is in balance, Absolutely. right? It's, it's spirituality. It's yeah. biological. It's it's emotional. But even the energy you give off has to do with your health state, like the state of your health. That's right. You the way I mean? you smell, so, the way you know you look. We're doing math equations all the time on attractiveness. That's right. And and that's how we tend to see the world. But here I was drawing this Vitruvian man, which I yeah. actually have a picture of here. I can show you. Ooh, yay! Because I'm bringing this with me to Vegas. Um, of course, bringing like a sketchbook full of math to Vegas. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> you say yeah, <laughs> this is so. That's just in cool. case, and just in case I, you know, get inspired. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, for sure. This stuff is like just downloads, man. It's so yeah. cool. So here we go. You drew that. Mm-hmm. So I drew this. That's very. I started impressive. doing the Mona Lisa on this side too. I see that. Right, but I haven't finished it yet. So I drew this, and immediately something like resonated with me, and I was like, "Wait a minute." Now, I put this diamond-shaped thing in here, which is an octahedron, mm -hmm. but I noticed that this angle here from the, from the navel to here was the same slope angle as the Great Pyramid. Now, this is not something that's inherent to this geometry. In fact, in order to make this work, da Vinci had to stretch the square so that it's not a real square. Yeah, I can see that. It's longer this yes. way than it is wide. Is it a rhombus? Uh, this would be a rectangle. A re oh, it's a rectangle. It's just it's a, a rectangle. It's just because it's turned it's on just side longer. It's so okay. if this was a true perfect squaring of the circle, this would not, the bottom of the square, it would be like on that. Da Vinci's work, yeah. would be up here, yes. up above where, right where his feet mm -hmm. start, okay? Mm -hmm. So that means that Da Vinci purposely skewed yes. his drawing. Why? Why? Because it's the only way he could have encrypted the pyramid. The pyramid slope angle in it. Why? Well, I think there's a bigger, <laughs> there's a bigger reason here. So yeah. I also started drawing here uh, wave propagations, and at each wave propagation, of course, would be a different chakra. Now, da Vinci also drew these like horizontal and vertical lines on okay. the body okay. of the Vitruvian man, and we don't also know why. at the knees, okay. and nobody knew why. Well, what what we believe is that up above and beneath are writing that is left by da Vinci, where he explains. Uh, the measure of a man mm. and how a man and, and in this it's a metaphor for mankind right mm -hmm. so it includes men and women yeah but but basically what it talks about is man being separated into 14 parts mm -hmm. and everything da Vinci wrote was mirror backwards right it was yes. all sort of backwards yes and so he explains that you know these certain proportions of the human body are relational right and it's almost just like he's saying hey here's the human body and its beauty and it is this proportional relationship. It's a mathematical thing. It's a mathematical thing. But maybe there's a deeper symbolism here, right? And so what I started thinking immediately was when I saw that, because that's a very unusual angle, right? It's not a normal angle. Okay. Um, 
And it it also relates, if you took a 60-degree arc and you multiply it by 0.864, which is that 86,400 yeah. seconds in a day, yeah. it comes out to 51.84 as well. So there's something very specific with this 5184. Yeah. And um, it's also a math constancy, which in compass measurement comes out to 5150, which is what they say when you're crazy. That's like a code for like yeah, 5150, yeah, 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 yeah. he's a nut job, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and so that 5150 is created by uh, this relationship of phi divided by pi. Okay, so 0. Okay. 0.515036, and that will convert into decimal from a compass. That's 51 degrees, 50 minutes, and 36 seconds, right? That's in a, a compass measurement versus uh, a measurement in decimal. So when you convert it in a decimal, it comes out of the pyramid slope angle exactly, 51.84, in fact. So I started looking at this, and I immediately thought, oh my gosh, what this is really telling me I just had an intuitive mm-hmm. burst, and I'm like, this is what this is really telling me is that the pyramid is representative of the measure of man, mankind. And I thought immediately, oh my gosh, every point there's a chakra, there's going to be a chamber. So, and some of the chambers are ones we already know, and others are ones we haven't discovered yet. Do we know, do we have any indication that they're there? Yes. In fact, uh, my first trip to Egypt with Nassim in October of 2017, we saw this muonic transfer equipment that was in the Queen's Chamber, mm-hmm. and there was a Japanese delegation using it. Yeah, you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they discovered that there should be a new chamber above the King's Chamber, slightly to the right, and that there was what looks like a grand gallery going up to that as well. So. It would be above where the Grand Gallery is right now. There's another Grand Gallery, about the same size. These are places that a human couldn't get into. Right now, yes. But I actually believe that da Vinci and what we have found, uh, with the help of Alan Green, who Mm -hmm. is an incredible cryptologist who works on my team. That we're going to have on the podcast. We're going to have on the show, right. And he also discovered the the Shakespeare Code. Mm -hmm. Um, He did all, because I don't have as much time, and this is what he devotes his time to, and Mm -hmm. he goes for days, doesn't sleep or anything, just analyzes stuff, and he writes me back and calls me, and he says, Robert, your intuition was right. The the horizontal lines that da Vinci left on the Vitruvian Man Mm -hmm. match perfectly, not only the slope angle for the Great Pyramid and everything else, like I mentioned, but it matches perfectly each of the ground level positions for each of the chambers and the ground floor level uh, in the Great Pyramid itself, so that that means there are four. Yeah, that means there there are three chambers and there are four positions that are outlined by this. There's a line right here above the groin, right, and that is exactly where the well underneath the Great Pyramid is. There's a well and there's yes. a there's a shaft yes. right in there. So that represents uh, the uh, you know in in the this case the the, the uh, yes. And then, and then it goes to the solar plexus. Yes. Right? Right there. The solar the plexus are, yeah. right, sits right where the queen's chamber is. The king's chamber is right on the heart chakra. And I don't mean like, it's not like in the middle of the room. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly on the ground floor level. It's perfect. It's totally perfect. Wow. And then the, the ground level, right, which is exactly where, the, uh, where you have at the solar plexus, yeah. um, is, is right there. No, that's the, that's the sacral. So this is the root. Uh, the root. That's, this yes. is the sacral. Yes. This is solar plexus. Yes. This is the heart. Yes. 
right where the king's chamber is. Yes. And then it basically says that there's a line right here on the throat, and the line of the throat would be the throat chakra. Yes. And that's where the new muon scan basically suggests there is another chamber. Do you think it's a piece of technology for astral ascension? I don't believe that the pyramid, a lot of people think it was like some sort of device for like a power plant or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't believe that. I believe it, it is absolutely for mankind's understanding himself and okay. ourselves. Like the key, like math key? Yeah, I believe that it is a, I believe it's a, a tool for ascension. Yeah. And that it's, it probably um, might actually be a reflection of our own conscious progression. Like, look how far we've already gotten? Or So, for example, you know, I, in May of 2018, discovered the Alpha Omega on the, yeah. the, the sarcophagus's rim. How could it be that I would be the one to discover that? Okay. Thousands of people have been in that place. No one's seen it before. Yeah. No record of it anywhere. Now Egyptologists are talking about it. Okay, okay. And down to the point where I had this guy with me who's a famous Egyptologist and a hieroglyphics expert... And he walks in, I said, Mohammed, have you ever seen this before? He says, I have been here many, many, many times. He says, I've never seen this. He has one of those voices, right? Yeah. And then one of the colleagues with him, he says, did you make that? I'm like, yeah, you know, I just chipped it out just now. Are you nuts? Like, please. Are you joking me? You guys did a body search on me. Because you're so surprised. Yeah, totally. Totally. So why do you think it was you? How do you think this works? Like, wh- why do you think? Why do you think out of all the people that that want to talk to you that day, you happen to be in New York, and we had to, why? Why? Why are all these new people now who've never been exposed to this level of mathematics now getting to like hear you personally? Like, what? What do you think it is? I think it's because it's the realization. First of all, we're starting to communicate with our higher selves. I agree with you. And the higher self is uses math as. His and her language, language. You know, its language, yeah. right? That's why we yes. see synchronicities. Yes. And and so, you know, it's not just random that you see those synchronicities. Those are triggers from your higher self to say, "Hey, wake up." It's a mathematical, like it's a, it's a something. It's like, telling oh, you you're on the right path. It's yeah. telling you to keep going, keep yeah. digging, keep finding yourself. Yeah. You know, Socrates talks about knowing thyself and. I believe that the Great Pyramid is the measure of, as Da Vinci suggests, the measure of mankind. That it does represent, uh, and it's un, incomplete or incomplete sort of pyramidian, which is not there. I don't believe it ever was there. Um, that the pyramid represents our own progression. Okay. That we're unfinished. Okay. Right until we. That we've got somewhere to go. Yes, until we achieve our level of ascension, and we are merged with our higher selves right and first we have to merge with our subconscious selves okay and so you can't even do that until you merge with your shadow merging with your shadow is all the things that you don't think you are yeah right yeah and if you ask the question you know why is it that people are interested in math now you know it's a really good question i don't think it's so much that they're interested in math i think they're interested in understanding themselves true and the math is just a reflection and a means for them to gain that greater it's giving them answers. context. It's giving them answers. Yeah. It's giving them answers, and it's a yeah. deeper spiritual context. So, yes. you know, people now, it's exciting because for me, I, I see this now. You know, I, I'll post something, and people will write me very, very kind emails and letters, and I can't respond to all of them now. I try really hard, <laughs> but I, I can't. You get do to it. a point where you accept that it's just going to be, I go like this and just pick. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's like a lottery type yeah, thing. Yeah, I have do. To, I really do. I, I want to And I don't want to sound like a jerk. No, no, no. Because but. it's it it really is so kind for people to, and it means a lot for me. Yeah. When I read their messages, etc., that you know have profound impact on yeah. me. But at the same time, you know what I notice the consistency in the messages is that people are getting their own information too which is really amazing and many people are like hey can you check this out and they're looking for a degree of validation oh like right? i figured this out what do yeah, you think yeah i figured out yeah what do you think huh. and and i try to respond to all those two where i can but i think what's really happening right now and people are talking about i was never interested i had some some woman from like wisconsin mm-hmm. midwest she said you know i hated math and science in school and now it's all i ever think about <laughs> that i felt a deep sense of um relaxing after we talked that day because it was in some ways I became sure of math has a way there's a reassurance mm-hmm. there when things make sense the mind relaxes yeah mm-hmm. you know like oh okay there's a reason for that or that this leads to that like what you just showed me it makes sense um with a couple of other things that I've heard about the pyramids in terms of how your genetic code is in there and a couple of other things. Like I've always thought the pyramids were something that anyone could look at from even like space and be able to tell like this is the level or the height of what's on this planet intellectually. Like this is where they've gotten to. And like maybe that means that certain people or certain races don't even come here because they see that and they're like, oh, that's where they are. Mm -hmm. And they just, you know, fly by. but do you think there's anything, do you think the pyramid is the way out? You know, it's interesting. I, I think that if you can kind of look at awakening, mm-hmm. people, I think it's so funny hearing all the like terms like woke. Right? <laughs> yeah, woke, yeah, yeah. He woke and then you don't have to use the words in between like he is awakened. Or, yeah. You know, he woke. He woke is like, it's yeah. a, like, it's we talked about last night, right? Yeah, people love that by the way. Somebody wrote that to me this morning. They're like, <laughs> Yo, you're like, you're like some some guy wrote it's like yo this this uh, this this post is woke AF. <laughs> yeah, woke as fuck. That's what you are. Yeah. <laughs> but if I if I could re- actually draw an analogy on the what what does woke mean? Mm. I think I think woke is becoming awakened to the expanded dimension of self. Mm-hmm. First of all, and also starting to drop some of the earlier levels of judgment yeah. and programming that we've all basically subjected ourselves to. Yeah. It's when you stop looking outside for answers and start looking internal, mm-hmm. internally for answers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first part of it. Then I think you, you hit a stage when you start to truly merge with your subconscious and recognize that all the judgments you make, you could literally say, I am that I am. I am that, I am. Mm -hmm. And our world is made of observation and judgments. That is a tree, that is a person, that is a homeless person. That's a judgment. Those judgments and observations, those judgments and observations, you have to stop and say, they're not separate from you, they are you. They're reflections of you. How you see the world, the prism through which you see the world, is your own self, your own personality. It's not the you universe, it's the you inverse that's around you. Yeah. And I think that there's an enlightenment stage that comes. And the enlightenment stage, which is sometimes referred to as samadhi, is 
when you merge with your higher self. Yeah. So you could think of the world around us as your subconscious, right? You could think uh, of, you know, all the matter that you perceive around you okay. is a projection of your subconscious. Okay. Our conscious minds is what we're sitting, you and I, I talking like about right this. now. I like this. Okay. Conscious minds is what we think we are in separation Sure, it's right us now. acting within the subconscious framework. But we're still framework. in this larger matrix, right, ah. construct that is a projection of, of the our shadow? subconscious. Right. So the more you judge and you don't like your shadow, the more, the more it, difficulty you'll perceive in the world the around you. The more it expresses you. itself. The more it mm. expresses itself in the world Ooh. around you. Mm. And then everything has to be in balance, too. Okay, okay. So right? it's either going to be inside of you or outside of you, but there has to be half, is what That's you're That's right. So okay. my first time I went to the pier booth and in October of 2017, the night we were there was the most horrific shooting in front of the fake pyramid in Las Vegas. Yes. That was the night you were 500 there. 500 people shot. Yes. That was the night that we had this really amazing spiritual... Light you know, and dark. And so... So then you start to think, whoa, wait a minute, yeah. what happened? And then I start thinking, well, what happened this weekend? I mean, what a horrible yes. thing with all these shootings that basically There's a couple happened. that happened, no? Four. Four? Mm-hmm. I've been traveling for two days. I haven't yeah, really... Yeah, like horrible. It's horrible. So it's raising the whole debate, you know, on... I won't get were into there, that. Were there a lot of good things happening as well right now? I think there's lots of good things happening around the world. Kind of are. I mean, like, last week at this conference I was at in... In Redwoods, it was unbelievable. Oh, the retreat! Yes, yeah, with it was the fantastic. Scene. Yes, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it was so great. But the thing is, is that if you think of your world, think of yourself as like an iceberg. Okay. Okay. And your conscious self would be the part of the iceberg that's above the surface of the water. Yeah. It perceives the world around it as separate. It perceives the the boat on the water that's basically tugging by. Or it perceives the bird in the sky, or the moon at night, or the sun during the day, mm-hmm. as all separate from itself. Mm-hmm. It may not even be consciously aware that there is anything beneath the surface. That it's submer- That most of it is submerged in the thing that it's all around. Yeah, but what if the entire illusion of the separation itself was just a projection from the part of the iceberg that's under the Underneath. water? Yeah. No, I'm digging this because I do believe that when you have something that's preying on your mind, be it you're guilt-ridden or you have some urge that you're not indulging, that it will manifest in the external. To It, it feels like the universe puts in your face yeah. the thing that you either are most running from or want most, depending on the energy that you're able to generate. Like, um, it, one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me was right in the middle of, of that horrible breakup, I went to get on the train just on instinct. I don't know what I was doing or why I was going where I was going. I just kept walking and I ended up in a random train station at a random train and my ex came and tapped me on the shoulder <laughs> and was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I have no idea. So like, I, I get that there's a... You still talk about this guy a lot. No, no, no. That it's, it's not because, <laughs> no, it's not, no, it's not because of that. It's just because that's one of the only times that I can think of where I was keenly aware that there was something else like, I, I was aware in that moment that I had made that happen because I, I didn't want to. Do you know what I mean? Like, I became aware. I've always known that I could make things happen by wanting them, but that was one of the first instances that proved to me that I could make something I didn't want happen to if I fixated too hard. So uh, you did a, a pretty incredible reading on me. Yeah. We need to save some time for me to do one on you. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. 
But I feel better. I mean, I feel like I've, like, completely moved on. I have, like, a completely new love interest. So, like, you know, so that's good. You know, there's, there's, it, it's all about the journey. <laughs> You're trying so hard not to judge me right now. That was just an example. It was the only, this is the first example that came to mind. It has nothing to do with him. I'm not I've really, like, I've literally have like a completely different love interest who's like a different I body type. That. A I believe that. I believe that. A different body type. Yes. That's pretty. <laughs> what? It's true. I've like completely changed what I like. Okay. Yeah. So that's I don't even want to go there on what the body type comment is referring to, but that's okay. We'll leave it at that. All right, everyone. I'm now doing the interviewing. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just, it was the first example that came about. Anyway, um, I do, I very much believe that your shadow or your, is, is, shows up in the external. You're, you're, but it, never, it is the world around you. And, and by the way, it's not all the things. I mean, you could think of there. There are lots of things that about your subconscious that you probably like. Yeah. But you don't want to associate with. Ah, yes, yes. Like for example, yes. right? My subconscious is a pretty damn good musician and artist. Yeah. And, but until now in my life, I didn't want to associate with that. In fact, I ran away from any association of such because I wanted to be a business person and I, I didn't basically waste time on frivolous pursuits. Yeah. And yet, every point in my life where there was like a major turning point, I yeah. went to Paris when I was 28, had my first midlife crisis. I always did things kind of early. Yeah. And I fell in love with all the art in Paris, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm working too much. This is so crazy. Yeah. What am I doing? And I went down a totally different path after that. And that was a small awakening for me to recognize that I really had this love of art that I was not... You were suppressing it. Almost. I was suppressing. Yeah. I was suppressing by design. Yeah. By design. You're sublimating, actually. I was sublimating yeah, it. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, it's like I was a musician in college, and then like I went to business school. Is like I never told anyone anymore that I was a musician, because Aww. because it just you yeah, know you people did, would you say did, yeah yeah I people would say it's like people that were in drama in high school. Oh yeah, yeah they're yeah. drama. Yeah yeah, yeah. Right. people make like snide comments. And totally. I spent most of my life acting like I didn't give a fuck about anybody. If if you had ever asked anybody, they would have said she's, you know, she's got ice in her veins. This is until the math goes. Um no, 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 no. Oh. Just uh, it, uh until after the breakup, until after I started <laughs> until I started the channel. Like yeah. I, the channel was So the you first you started to break. Okay. People, so like, that was a that was a traumatic thing for you. We're going to revisit this, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm not interviewing you here. So so anyway, the yeah. point is um, I know you're grateful to me for stopping there. Yeah. So, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. So, basically, if you think of it as such, that there's a lot of things about your subconscious that you do like, and there's certain things that you just don't want to associate with. Yeah. And, yeah. And you, in fact, you would say, I'm not that. Right. I'm not that thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that that experience then is the experience you have in your outside world. Yes. All those things are really you getting to know your subconscious. Yeah. And it's there to wake you up, to make peace with it and fall in love with it. Yeah. The moment you fall in love with the moment. Yeah. And the time itself and the world around you. Yeah. It becomes like heaven on earth. Yeah. And then you can start to move from the conscious, you know, soul position, which is purely about that conscious self, to... A combined self, which is then also marrying the masculine and feminine aspects of the self. Okay. Because whatever gender you are, your subconscious will be the opposite gender. Right? So Carl Jung talks about this as the anima. So a man would have an anima, 
and a woman would have an animus. Does that mean so, trans people are more integrated psychologically? Uh, I think that that's probably a reflection also of the way society is moving. That the transgender is, you know, this it's about balance. Right. It's about balance, and it's right. a physical manifestation of the balance. Right. Right. But. So what do we do when we see something wrong then? If there's no judgment and we're supposed to be integrating all the shadow, which I get, it's a very Jungian concept, but what do we, how do we react then when we see something that is, there's got to be some sort of objectifiable absolute wrong, right? Like things that you look at and say, no, that is wrong. You know what? And that's, that's how I lived most of my life, where I, I would say, okay, that is wrong and this is right. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that I could never separate my bias, whatever those biases were, mm-hmm. from that observation. So it's like trying to accept, separate the experiment from the observation itself of the experiment. Yeah. Very difficult to do. That's why you have things like double-blind, placebo-controlled studies, etc. So you're difficult. saying it's impossible. I think it's impossible. And so I'll give you an example. Um, I don't, you know, obviously I, I, I don't like any kind of violence. And, but when you hear about one of my friends... Uh, who actually works in one of my companies, and he's the CEO of one of my companies, fantastic person. His son was tragically killed in Sri Lanka. During the bombings? During the bombings. Oh, my God. 11-year-old son. (gasps) And when he called to tell me, um, you know, we both just wept on the phone. It was was horrible. I was trying to make sense of that. And, And I tried to just take it, in yeah. and feel total compassion for yeah. his feeling. Of course. And it, it had a huge impact on me for weeks after that. And you that. just had a son. And of I just course. had a son, and, and, and I started thinking about, wow, how would I deal with something like that? And, I, and you can't really make sense of it. But in the mind of the terrorist who blew himself up, and, and my friend's son was the only one that was, I think, killed in that particular bombing, he just happened to be sitting near enough that, um, you know, the shrapnel hit him right in the chest and, oh my God. and, and he passed away. And, Jesus. but if you get into the mind of the terrorist, yeah. what was the mind of the terrorist? It may be in, in his own terms. Yeah. That was absolutely necessary because it was a retaliation in his mind. Of the conditions. Of the conditions of... And, and they're very overt about it. The, the conditions that were placed on Muslims that lived in New Zealand, which is thousands of miles away from Sri Lanka, but this was like a retaliation hit in their world, right, on what had happened in New Zealand with the mosques, right, where oh, the white supremacists I didn't came. Know and, that. Oh, yes. That so they the felt thing. like this was their, you know, jihad, and, and mm-hmm. it had to be this way. So in his mind, the the suicide bomber, even though the only person that was killed in this particular suicide bombing, there were yeah. 300 people killed that day, but the only one killed in that building, which was in a nice hotel, yeah. was this 11-year-old boy. And yet his people may think of him as, some of them at least, as a hero. Yeah. Just like ISIS. Yeah. Right? So on the one hand, like his family and everyone else might actually put him up as a hero. He gets to go to heaven and, and yeah. you know, live this paradisiacal life. Yeah. But we look at it from the opposite perspective. Right. But then how often 
do we all find ourselves in those situations, right? And what happens is we, whenever we have bias like this, you know, it's, I joke about this all the time. I, <laughs> I'm going to Vegas today, and our one of our accounting uh, managers in the company, I kind of like joke around with him because I asked him at an offsite once. I'm like, you gamble, don't you? And he's like, how'd you know? And I'm like, because every accountant I know loves to gamble. <laughs> Numbers. And I said, let me ask you a question. Do you feel that it is reckless and bad behavior to like spend money recklessly or lose it? And he said, yes. And I thought that was so funny because what does he like to do on the weekends? Yeah. Gamble. Yeah. Right. Because think about it. We live in a world of contrast. The things that we don't like about ourselves, we try to find ways to successfully repress so that no one else will know also. And And when I asked him, I'm like, and I asked him, I'm like, so when you gamble, you know, do you, how, how do you, how do you do it? He goes, oh, first thing he says, I know my limits. I won't go above this amount. And, you know, he doesn't gamble that much, right? He's not like an addict or something like that. But he knows. But he knows. I know my limits. And so... Is that the way? Is that the in terms of integration? Well, so think about it. That if you are, maybe in ancient times, you know, if you are tempted by some heinous act that you perceive as heinous, like pedophilia or something like that, maybe in that old day and age, homosexuality or whatever, it's not that way anymore. What would you do? Oh, I'll, I'll sign up to be a priest. Then no one will know. Most importantly, I'll be able to hide it from myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Until the shadow takes over. This is all very Carl yes. Jung, right? Yes. In its philosophical approach. So yeah. the things that you tend to build up around your life, and you can start asking yourself, why did you choose this career? It was likely because of some judgment that you made on how you wanted to be perceived. Hmm. And there was possibly some other side of yourself that you didn't want to be perceived as. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you chose a career mm-hmm. that, would, that would be the opposite of that thing. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So as you go through this, you know, integration uh, to, towards a higher self, the next stage is to merge with the higher self. Right? So you've got the conscious and subconscious that sort of sit down here in this realm. So us in the shadow. Us in the shadow. But then... All the stuff that's left over, what's the thing that connects both of those things? The space. The vacuum. The vacuum. The ether. So the vacuum is balanced. So what is that? So if the matter around you and the universe around you is the you inverse, which is your subconscious mind, then the space itself, the stuff that cannot be perceived at all and is absolutely hidden from all of us, Mm -hmm. might be the higher self. Because it's the non-dual. It's the non-dual. It's the director behind the stage. So, so this is us out here, and this is us. So so when you come into someone's world, say like when so we met, three and we levels, became right? Friends, Conscious, right? Subconscious. So you come into someone's world, all of a sudden you're exposed to their subconscious, and this has happened. You go some, you meet someone, and you come into their world. You meet their friends. You come into their space. So you're walking into their subconscious, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, that's also why when you start to merge with your shadow, all your friends change over. You get a whole, not not like you won't be friends with all the old people. You might still be. You might not be. But people fall but away. You end up. People do fall away. You end up with lots of new friends that represent the new level of consciousness yeah. that you are now living at. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So the next level. Okay. 
beyond conscious and subconscious yeah. is to is understand, to fall in love with the space itself. Ah. To love the darkness. That's loving math, right? Maybe language to that the, self, that the higher self, language. is mathematics. Okay. Is that how you feel when you do it? Yes. Like you're in that space? 100%. And, and it also requires you to change how you think about what your brain is. It's not just a storage device to regurgitate stuff. Or a battery knowledge. or something. Think of your brain as a radio receiver. And you can figure out a way to continue to tune into higher and higher and higher frequencies. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, you know, you've got the low end of the FM band. It's like 88, whatever. And then it goes up to like 107.5, right, <laughs> on the radio scale. Going to that and then well beyond that. Um, is a function of your emotional state and how much gratitude you feel. And gratitude has this incredible power to, like, take the fear away, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's just super strong. Once you transcend judgment as well, but that means that you feel compassion. You don't necessarily say, okay, that's a good thing that happened. There's no good. There's no, it's, it's, it's what Buddhists would refer to as non-dual. Mm-hmm. Right, non-dualistic thinking. You feel compassion for all of it, and but you're actually putting yourself in their shoes, because in a way, it's all a reflection as well of your subconscious mind. How you perceive that. And ninety percent plus of what happens to you in life is not what actually happens to you, but rather what you perceived happened to you. How you, how you, how you interact with your it. subconscious and how you yeah. interacted with it. Literally everything that happens to you you could perceive as being the worst thing that ever happened. And and we meet people like this. You've been, we've been around people who that's totally, the way they interpret what's going totally on right. all the time. And it's like a bummer if you're not on that vibe. Yeah, no, exactly. So like that, it's yeah. like if you think you can or you think you can't, you're you'll right. be right. Yeah. That is exactly the way that this I try to live. mind-blowing for me. It's such a simple thing, but it really does make sense that this would be almost like a playground for your subconscious to like play out everything that you keep suppressing and put it in front of you again and again and see how you deal with it until you like find a way to integrate it. Makes sense. A smart person would manipulate that and then suppress things on purpose so they would show up in their external. You know, it's funny. People call it... (laughs) Exactly. People call it the Akashic Record, right? Mm -hmm. You refer to the Akashic Record. I actually just call it the higher self. That's the feeling. It's all there. It's all there. You know what I was thinking? Remember how last time we were talking about that thing? You know what mm-hmm. I was thinking? I was thinking maybe it's the thing that's always there. I just happened to back up into it because I was afraid when I ran out of that place. Oh, it's there. Yeah. Definitely there in you. And it's another part of you. Yeah, that's what somebody told me. Someone really cool who's like into like, he's a Wiccan, mm-hmm. said um, that it's you. You just switch out. You just switch in and out, don't you? And I was oh, like, you have that side too. And I was so like, you what? Think, you think you're just like this happy-go-lucky I guess. person and everything. But that part of your personality... It just stands is the guy back that, there. Well, he just stands back there, but he's like... It's like, speak softly, but carry a big stick. Yeah, and then it right? switches in and out. And he jumps in and out. Yeah. And so when you need to be hardcore in business and everything, yeah. that's the guy that steps it's in. It's just like, boom. And you don't even see yourself doing it. No, I don't. Because you think you're consistent all the time. Yeah, or like, but I, but I get what you're saying. Now this makes sense to me in terms of what you just said about the about integrating. Because I don't think I'll ever be able to look at the world the same way. Like, legitimately, I can see now how you walk into people's lives 
and their entire subconscious is on display for you from everything like like here look at this like I was just mentioning the Rocketeer to you that's a very interesting thing to have in your office like it's a very interesting archetype to be able mm -hmm. to relate to right mm -hmm. there's a it's like people are showing you all the time exactly who they are even more than they know who they are right like for example I, I, people are telling me all the time they walk in they see the flamingos and the swing and everything and they're like dude you're like sex obsessed and I'm like I'm celibate and they're like, is that a choice? Is that a choice? That a, a celibacy? Mm -hmm. Um, too long to answer. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hesitating because I'm embarrassed. So like, are you, no, you're, that's so not you're, a choice. You're asexual. No, it's not a choice. No, it's not a choice. Isn't like I like. Doesn't it just only work if it only works? Like, isn't it like based on your preferences? Like, if. We're back to, the, back to the anatomy thing again. No. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering, isn't it like, no, I wouldn't say it's by choice. But see, this is me. This is, We're having the shadow conversation right now. Oh, yeah. This is the shadow conversation because everyone sees it, but I don't see it. Like, I, I am so blind to it. Because so you I, asked me the question, why did you end up, or why did I end up in your life? And yeah. why did you end up in mine? Good question. Because, <laughs> because of exactly what I was talking about. As you, just like the pyramid, may actually be a metaphor for our own spiritual progression. Yeah. All the people around you and the life you begin to leave yes. and live. Yeah. The one you left behind and the yeah. one you now live in the future. Yeah. Or in the now. Yeah. Is reflective of your spiritual progression too. Yeah. So why did you end up in my life? Well, very likely because you are representative of some of these same concepts that I'm integrating. Yes, and and you have a way of saying things that I don't take personally, but like I, that I need to hear. But I like don't like I can't hear it from anybody because I'm very proud. So like I'm deaf to almost everyone, but like I respect you, which is rare. Um, so I think that when you say certain things, I take it in, whereas I wouldn't listen if somebody else said it. Like I would just be like, whatever. Yeah, sure, that's what you think. Well, you know, I, I think that uh, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. That's the one thing that I for sure take out of all of the work yeah. that uh, this journey I've been on the last several years is everything happens for a reason Yeah. and be grateful for all of it. Yeah. Because your higher self is the director, right? Yeah. Your subconscious is a pretty badass self too because sure. it can do so much more well obviously, we can only have like so eight colorful. so colorful so yeah. amazing right yeah 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 and that's why people say you know when you go through higher degrees of consciousness that you start seeing colors differently you start mm. seeing you know it's like your whole world starts mm -hmm. to shift and change mm -hmm. i see rainbows more often mm -hmm. i see you know all this type of stuff because yeah. this is a reflection of the beauty that is inside of you yeah and the beauty is allowed to come forward now because you are accepting of yourself. You're not fighting with yourself. You're because when you're with fighting yourself. with yourself, everyone around you is rude to you. They're not helpful. You, things break. You drop things. Like it, When you're at odds with yourself, it's very hard to live in your own world. Well, even, even having a separated self where you're not totally authentic, mm -hmm. right? Because you think you're projecting one way. You're the only one who can't see it. Mm -hmm. We don't have eyes in the back of our head. I think right. there's a reason for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? We right. can't see our subconscious mind. That's part yeah. of the whole reason why we're here. 
That's why it's so scary in movies when you see your yourself doing something else. Like in a movie, in a scary movie, when you see yourself. Oh, like yeah. Someone, that's terrifying, terrifying to us. Right? Like, what? No, I don't want to see my own self. Why is that so scary? It shouldn't be that scary. Because there's nothing more terrifying than the exposure of your true self that you don't want everyone else to see. Most importantly, you. You don't want to see. You looking, don't even care if anybody else sees it. <laughs> looking, and I call all of this in the title of the book that I that I that is I just chose the title mm, okay um, I just finished writing a book and the book will be coming out soon and it is called The Mirror of Consciousness congrats what a good name because it literally is yeah. a mirror yeah it's like the map you were showing me that mirror thing that really got to me yeah Yeah, it's all a mirror everything is a mirror reflection back to you and even the separation you have with your subconscious and your conscious mind mm-hmm. that is duality mm-hmm that is duality. Mm-hmm. And that when you recognize that, wait, I am that. Mm-hmm. All the stuff I've been judging all these years, <laughs> I am those things. <laughs> it's true. Isn't it funny that yeah. in the Bible then, that the name of, of you know, assigned to God is, I am that, I am. That's what the rest of the be going on and on about, I am I. Right? I didn't understand that all growing up. Why are they saying that, and I am I? And then you just I. take I am backwards and it's my... Uh, of course right so there's definitely something i think so much deeper there's so the good news is there's so much more to us than what we see your the way you put it makes it so easy though it's a test it's a test of you against you it's like golf you're playing are you going to be against you or are you going to be for you are you going to be for you so that means that being for you means taking everything you see in your external and integrating it accepting it or having difficulty Stop imagining difficulty and stop imagining drama that you don't need that you can transcend. It no longer serves. <laughs> Did you see that just now in my book? There was a party that's like, what if you like drama? Oh, <laughs> by the way, like <laughs> we all love it. That's why we're here. You know what? I think our, our higher selves are somewhere like watching and kind of going, <laughs> eating popcorn. Eating popcorn going, damn. You know, that, and she's like, and that, that math guy isn't even that special. Like, why is she like, really? <laughs> I saw a funny meme this morning. It was hilarious. It was a picture of Jesus. Uh-huh. And, and Jesus is sitting forward like this. And, and he, says, he says, you asked for a sign that he really was a jerk and you needed to bounce him. It's like, so what's your excuse now, sis? Yeah. <laughs> I love the Jesus memes. Oh, Jesus so is a meme superstar. <laughs> I sent you the sign. Now, what's your excuse now? Yeah. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> oh, I love it. Wow. What are, you know, I think that this particular podcast will look really good animated with all the math that you spoke about. And like, yeah, it'll totally. just, my, my cousin, I think will do a really good job animating it. She's really into it. But like, I feel like they'll need visuals for this, but this was really good. We can get you tons of visual. In fact, we oh, just right. cataloged. In fact, here, you can flip through this. Okay. I have a look through these pages. Okay. Um, and you wanted to cover one other thing about that was, I think, related to math, right? Something with prime numbers or no? No, well, I wanted you to talk a little bit about what you were just, uh, the thing that we ended up talking about, the Vitruvian Man stuff, mm-hmm. and how it related to the Shakespeare stuff, because I wanted the next one to be you and Alan. Oh, yeah, so it's all related. Could, yeah. That's, it's, it's incredible that it, it seems, <laughs> you know, here's one of the other things, too, you start to realize. If the higher self is the space 
And space is time itself. That's why it's in fact called space time. The way we measure space yeah. is in time terms, right? Yeah, yeah. Then our version of past and present and future yeah. is no different than the separation between our conscious mind and our subconscious shadow. Oh, shit. So the subconscious is how you travel through time? The higher self. I kind of knew that. The higher self. The subconscious is the matter around you. Right, right, right. right. So that's the doorway. You have to sort of fall in love with the world you're in. Yes. But then once you're in love with that world, then you have to clear the karmic loops that are in the past lives. Okay. Right? Because they're all happening at the same time. Yes, yes. So you can't move forward until you resolve. But as soon as you merge with the higher self, then you no longer perceive time. Just as when you merge with, as soon as you merge with your subconscious self, you Mm -hmm. no longer perceive gender, Mm -hmm. right, in yourself. Right. You no longer perceive duality. Then, the next level is no longer perceiving time, Mm -hmm. separation between past, present, and future. So my mom used to go see this holy man in Afghanistan when she, in the 60s. Um, and he would be seen at Mecca all the time, and he never left where he was in Afghanistan. He was frail and 90-something. He could barely move. He never left his little hut, um, but they would see him there regularly to the point where people would stop him and have conversations, and it was normal, and they yeah. would come back it was and Just say, like in the last Star Wars where Luke Skywalker's fighting the big fight. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, yeah. that whole thing was about duality. Right. That entire right. show was about well, duality. Well, Campbell and Lucas were great friends. Yep. Joseph Campbell and Lucas mm-hmm. were great friends. And like he spent a lot of time at George Lucas's ranch, actually. So you saw where Luke Skywalker did this astral projection. They mm-hmm. were like shooting all the stuff at him. He was like, blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, Yeah, that's blah. right. And, and then it was it all was, an astral projection he, yes. of him. Right? Yes. Because he was no longer bounded by his time. Yeah. Yeah. place. Yeah. So then you can basically get anywhere. Yeah. Through yeah. remote viewing as well as... Yeah. You know, being able to maybe even co-locate. Yeah, yeah, he would do that. And he would also, I mean, he told her what would happen to her 40 years down the line. And everything he said was like to the letter. Mm-hmm. And it, it, he would look in this uh, uh, empty cup and it was like he was looking watching TV. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Mm-hmm. There's so, I'm going to take, uh, well, with your permission, of, yeah, course, of course, if you allow I'll take some photos of this stuff so she can play it during the animation. But let's stop here because I feel like their brains are going to explode. In particular. Okay. Um, oh, the Freemason symbol. Look at you. Well, it's one of the ones I, I love that one. You did? Yeah. There's a Freemason symbol on the side of the sarcophagus. There is? Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, Robert. It's not necessarily Freemason. It's Ark. It's the Ark. Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Do you think we're all related to the Ark of the Covenant? Do you think we've all been looking for it for a really long time? Yes. Because this past life woman told me that I was a crusader, and all the crusaders did was look for the Ark. Yeah. So. Oh, there's so much more. There's so much more. Have we had this conversation with this damn book before? A different one, but... (laughs) But... Dude, you're so neat. Well, I mean, I have to be able to. Especially pencil. Pencil's hard to keep neat. Oh, yeah, it gets messy, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, how beautiful. With the zodiac. Yes, sir. Put your hand over that. 
pull it up a little bit higher. Oh, like I do with the, yeah, with the playing cards. Okay, mm -hmm. I see what you mean. But it pulls different. Mm -hmm. It like pulls something very specific. What is this? It's like, it's not pulling like just energy. It's pulling like a specific kind of energy. Like I can feel it in my arm. Mm -hmm. Like it's only coming from one place. What is it? Now take it in consciously. Look at the picture. It's the Zodiac. It's not just Zodiac. So Zodiac is one part of it. And there's okay. language on the outside of it. I'm not even sure. And then there's the Flower of Life. Flower of Life. Yep. And then... And then icosahedron water. Yeah. Which is also representative of the space. So it's an illustration of the vacuum? It is, but it's also a 24-hour clock, the same pattern that I discovered the prime numbers are. Oh, shit. And it's also Greek letters transcribed over it because the 24-hour clock is just a two-dimensional form of the three-dimensional cuboctahedron vector equilibrium. And each edge of the vector equilibrium is one, there's 24 edges on the vector equilibrium. And each one is governed by a different math constant, and these are all the math constants that govern them. <coughs> and there are 24 Greek letters that represent all of our math constants. This is amazing. And the way it's done, it's like, you know, you know how they talk about how Mozart's notes were impeccable? Because mm -hmm. he only wrote them down once. Mm -hmm. Like your books have that quality to them. Like their downloads. Just because of the lack of mess. Like you already knew this before you wrote it down. Like you tweaked it or whatever. But you already knew it. Mm -hmm. So the vector pulls the good and the bad. Or it pulls equally. It's balance. It's balance. It pushes and wow. pulls at the same time. That's really interesting. It's very suppressed. It's like I keep it in my bones somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you would also recognize it. You, you, I'm sure, recognize this. It's. I mean, I, f I f I've seen it like on your Instagram and stuff, but I feel like it's everything you show me. I feel like I've seen, but I've seen it a long time ago. I know that sounds nuts. But like every piece of work I've come across of yours, I feel like I've seen it many times. Like you had this book open the first time I came here on the pool table. Mm -hmm. And I swear I had seen everything you showed me before. Mm -hmm. And I would have no other referential like knowledge of this. I've never been around anything like this. So I know it's not me. But like, So our perception just as the dualistic world around us is starting to dissolve. Yeah our time-based world is also starting to change. Our perception of time and our limitation of only knowing ourselves in one lifetime is also starting to change. This is why the Mandela effect, I think, is happening, where people are remembering things that don't exist in this particular plane, and they're like, no, I remember this when I was yeah, a child. Was right. Because their memories of several lifetimes are meshing together. It's like that TV show, The OA. Have you seen this? Yeah, I've seen part of it. It's like she travels through like dance or something. She's able to like create a vibe and they basically can they're 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 experiencing like multi-dimensional time. Yes, exactly. Another another show that is about this and and of course, the shows that come on TV and everything will start reflecting just like the Star Wars show. 
what, yes, because of what you said. It's, it's the shadow. It's all about the shadow. It's all yeah. about the subconscious yes. mind, right? Trying well, to speak to you. Yes. Our, our higher self is so incredibly genius. Yeah. To know exactly what we need and what we need to experience. Well, you know, in Islam it says that the dunya, the, the outside world, is a lie. Yeah. Well, they all do. Yeah, Maya they all talk is a, about Maya. Maya is a lie. It's all illusion. Yeah, it's a, you can't get it's attached to it. It's all illusion, and we're like avatars. Because it's a we're, moving we're lesson. In, How can you get attached to a moving lesson? Let's say getting attached to a university or something. We're in meat suits until the moment we, we the illusion drops, and we decide we don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, but some people love school. Some people love school. Some people love drama. <laughs> some people go to drama school. Think about it. <laughs> Some people go to drama school. So that's the whole point is that there's a point in time where things no longer serve you. Yeah. Where it just no longer serves and you're ready to move on. Yes. I'm kind of ready. Are you ready? I've been ready. I was born ready. Right? Yeah. That's how we met. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I have no, um, I, I was born with very little sense of attachment. I just don't go in for that kind of thing. The only thing I'm attached to is my kid. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Everything else, I'm like, ah, <laughs> I can do without <laughs> can it. It's without okay. It. It's fine. In the in the for the sake of a, a higher state of consciousness, or for the sake of um, harmony or integration or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I don't. I think that this world is very nice. I think it gives you a certain degree of pleasure that you can't find anywhere else. Um, but I have yet to see anything of this world that would make me give up my higher pursuit. I have yet to meet anything or anyone that would make me feel that my soul being my first and foremost priority is wrong. Isn't it interesting? What if, what if the interesting paradox is that the moment we experience heaven on earth yeah. is the moment we no longer we don't want it. need to be here anymore? Yeah, we don't want it. The moment we decide that it really is heaven on earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like done. It's like, okay, next. Yeah, I've, I've, I've physically experienced that where I've reached a place of like, wow, everything is great. I'm ready for the next, like, what's the next? What do I need to learn? Like, what am I still? The next evolution. You know, yeah, yeah. And that's and I, the thing I think we're really here. I think mm-hmm. it's all about the next evolution. That's why we met, because and that's as, what I believe. As soon as we fall in love with the current yeah. evolution and we yeah. understand yeah. That it's meant to be fallen in love with. And let go of. And let go of at the same time. Because yes. then all the pain and hurt and everything is yes. like, it's all an illusion. Yeah. Then yeah. you can fall in love with it. And you can fall in love with the game itself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And this is what this book looks like, is someone falling in love with the game. Falling in love with it so much that they want to get to know it better. And, and explore it. This is wild stuff, dude. This like, I'm just the, looking at it like, what am I even... This is the periodic table of elements and all the elements it's beautiful in our universe and their resonance frequencies. It's beautiful, really. Like, honestly, it's so beautiful. There's so much... Um, the way your mind works, it works in steps. And it's very easy to follow. You make a good teacher. Thank you. Because some people, they're very smart, but their minds are a mess. And it's very hard to follow them unless they walk you through it like a child, you know? So 
So such a pleasure to spend time with Thank you. Thank you so much. This was amazing. I can't wait to do this again. I can't wait to see you again. Have a great time in Vegas. I'm Thank sure you. you will. I'm sure it'll be incredible. You have to tell me all about it. Test, tell us all about it the next time. I definitely time. will. I definitely will. And if any of your viewers are in Vegas at Black Hat, please come by our booth. Uh, Crown Sterling is the name of the company, like Crown Chakra. Mm -hmm. Silver Crown. Crown Sterling. Silver. What mm -hmm. night is the party? It's on Wednesday night. Wednesday night in Vegas. And what's the Vegas. venue? Um, Jeez, if you go to our website, you'll okay. find it. And yeah, that's what's how, the website? How lame I am. Uh, crownsterling.io. Okay, so what I'm going to do, you guys, is I'm going to do a post where I'll put that info. So if you're in Vegas on Wednesday, and I'll put Robert's info in the post as well. You guys should follow him. He's on the verge of some really, really cool stuff. Him and Nassim will be going to Egypt in a month, I think. Yeah. So there will be a lot more new stuff coming out on his page. And do you have, you have a YouTube as well. Right? Uh, you know, I don't. I, I post mainly everything on Instagram. You do? Okay, that's kind of easy actually for us. Yeah, so, okay, so I'll keep you just in the loop about all that stuff. And then we'll do another, I'll do another episode where we just kind of go through more of Robert's stuff. So the next time we talk to him, um, I'll have you guys send in some questions and we can just do some basic, you know, cool. I'll compile a bunch of questions and you can answer them for if us. If there's ever any question about anything, the most important thing I would ever say to anyone <laughs> is love yourself. Yeah. Accept and love yourself. It's the easiest thing. It, it doesn't, it's not more complicated than that. Yeah. But we spent an entire lifetime and probably thousands of lifetimes trying to come to that conclusion. Yeah. Uh, and, but actually live it. And but that's the most beautiful thing you could do is fall in love with this yourself, fall in love with the moment. And the moment you fall in love with the world around you, that's when you've actually fallen in love with yourself. Mm -hmm. And you truly love yourself. When mm -hmm. you love the world around you and you can accept it for what it is mm -hmm. and the experience itself, then you've truly fallen in love with yourself and then you're probably ready to move on. Yeah. True. Well... You heard it here first. <laughs> okay, I love you guys. Robert, say bye. Bye, everyone. Have a great day. Bye. I'll speak to you guys soon. It's your girl, DJ Nark.